The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents, three shrines here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. And from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate, and they were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A friend of mine tells a story of visiting Old Faithful, the, the geyser in Yellowstone Park. The, it erupts for about one to five minutes in, in a regular interview, which is why they call it Old Faithful. He went to, to see Old Faithful, and sure enough, it erupted, and he was just in awe of this incredible uh, natural uh, work of, of God. And, and this eruption is going on, and, and, and there are these two elderly women standing beside him. Him. And they're spending the whole time fidgeting with their complicated camera. They're trying to work the gadgets and things so that they could take a picture of the geyser that is at that very moment erupting for those precious few minutes. And after a, a minute or so, one of them turns to the other and she says, I think we might just have to look at it. Today, we look at the stories of theophanies, moments when God bursts through our lives in, like a geyser, uh, when God sort of breaks through our, our ordinary lives and makes his presence known in a, in a special way. And like that geyser, it usually only lasts for a very brief period. We see that, uh, that Abraham had a theophany in the first reading. He had some sort of strong sense of God's presence and God saying to him, go forth, leave, leave your homeland and go to a new land that I will show you and I will make you the father of a great nation, that nation being Israel, of course. And Jesus in the Gospels has this great theophany. He's beginning to sense that it is his time, his time to go to Jerusalem. And he knows what that means. He knows it's going to lead to the cross. 
and probably he needs a bit of encouragement from heaven. And he goes up this mountain with Peter, James, and John, and, and he has this theophany where he experiences the presence of God the Father and the presence of Moses and Elijah. And Peter, James, and John themselves have a theophany as they're watching Jesus have his theophany. Each of these are, are experiences of theophany, of, of a moment when God is especially present, breaks through our lives in a special way. All of us have theophanies too. And it's possible that you think you've never had one, but perhaps you, all of your theophanies and, and mine too are maybe a little bit more ordinary. They're not quite as dramatic as the gospel story and therefore we don't recognize it as a theophany. But all of us, all of us have these special moments, don't we? These special moments when we know that something has happened, that somehow grace has broken through and, 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 and there's a shift in the universe. I'll give you just a few examples from my own life. Uh, when I was younger, uh, I, I had a moment where someone whom I trusted betrayed me and, and I had a, the hardest time forgiving him. I know you've probably had that experience too, a very difficult, painful time. You actually want to forgive, but you can't seem to come to a place of forgiveness. And, and after a long time, I started praying. And at the advice of, of a prayer expert, I did this imaginary exercise in my prayer. I, I sat in a chair. I actually did this physically. I sat in a chair and I put an empty chair in front of me. And I put a third chair to the side. And in my imagination, I put that person in that empty chair. And I put Jesus Christ in the chair on the side. And I spoke to Jesus in my prayer and asked Jesus to bless this time. And then I spoke directly to him, to this person who had betrayed me. And I, and I told him how much he had hurt me, how much he had betrayed me. And at the end of it, I said, I forgive you. But it wasn't true. My heart had not forgiven. But then I went back the next day and I did it all over again. And it was years ago, so I can't tell you exactly how long it took, but I think it took a long time. It seems to be months, uh, as I recall. But there was one day, there was one day after practicing this same prayer ex exercise over and over again, that I looked this person in the eye and I said, I forgive you. And it was true. Something had happened. There was some shift inside my heart and where there was hurt, where there was anguish, where there was resentment, resentment and pain, now there was a place of forgiveness and peace. I had had my theophany. Another example is much earlier than that when I did something that I felt so terribly bad about that I couldn't forgive myself. Have you ever had that experience when you do something so stupid or so hurtful and you're so mad at yourself that you just can't forgive yourself? I, I had that experience and, and, and I went on a retreat in Alabama and, and on that retreat there was a reconciliation time and I went to the priest who was a friend of mine and I told him the story and told him how much I struggled to forgive myself for this sin. And, and he said to me, Mark, you've vomited this sin on the floor. Do not take it up again. It does not belong to you anymore. 
It belongs to God. And I left that sin on the floor in Alabama, a theophany. Something broke through like a geyser and I was different. Sometimes it's even more subtle than that. Sometimes a theophany is just a sense of deep peace, that everything is okay in the universe, or a sense of inexplicable joy. Maybe it's a sense of joy even knowing that everything is not okay in the universe, but it's deep sense of peace or joy. Years ago, I was in the bush of Africa in uh, Uganda, and I was working with South Sudanese refugees. I lived in this camp way out in the, in the bush, as they say, with these uh, four others, a, a Jesuit community, these four guys, a, a British guy, a Polish guy, Mexican guy and myself. It sounds like a joke in search of a punchline, doesn't it? But the, the four of us were in this community and we really liked each other. All of them were young guys. I was the oldest among them and I was only in my 30s myself. We, we spent these four months together serving the, the refugees from South Sudan. And there was one time when we were uh, planning on a trip into the further bush and, and we speculated about maybe we can set a mat in the bed of the pickup truck and just sleep there in the bed of the pickup truck as we're traveling and we didn't know if that would really work so we said well let's try it while we were at our camp so we put the mat out on the bed of the pickup truck it's about nine o'clock at night there's no electricity there's no city we're out in the deep country and the four of us lay on this mat in the bed of the pickup truck and the stars were just magnificent and the moon was bright and we were laughing and enjoying each other's company and then it got quiet and it was just this moment of peace. Just this moment that we knew that God was real, that, that there was a God and that God loved us. Without us saying anything, not even praying, we, we just knew that God was there. That was many years ago, and I still remember that moment like it was yesterday. That was a theophany for me. A Jesuit friend of mine calls, it, calls this the big kiss. He says that sometimes God just gives us a big kiss. All of us have had that moment. Sometimes even God just gives us a little kiss. But we know that we have those moments. And if we start paying attention, we'll notice them more and more in our life. We'll notice God's presence bursting through like a geyser in our life. But the gospel story, good old St. Peter, he teaches us one thing that we shouldn't do with those moments, one thing we should not do. Here's this incredibly glorious moment when the divinity is shining through Jesus and Peter starts talking and he's talking nonsense. He's like, wow, isn't this just wonderful? And he's just blabbering on and he says, oh, you know, maybe we can build some shrines, some memorials right here all while this thing is going on. He's like the women with the camera. He, he's just trying to capture this moment instead of just receiving it. And what does God say to Peter? Shh, shh, Peter, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. 
That's all you have to do is receive. Shh. Just look at it. Just look at it. Just listen. Don't try to capture it. Just listen. Just look at it. Because when we have those moments, those divine moments, sometimes we try to grab onto it, try to grasp it like Adam and Eve grasping that apple. We try to grasp divinity instead of just letting, letting it flow through us, letting it do its divine work within us. And so God says, shh. It reminds me of a novice I had when I was novice director and they would go through a 30-day retreat. And he tells this wonderful story. And I have to tell you his name because he he's an extrovert. He'd love for me to tell his name. His name is Michael, Michael Moore. Michael Moore is one of the most extroverted persons I know. We train these novices to go through these prayer experiences where they are imagining a scene in the Bible. In fact, they are to imagine more or less all of the scenes that Jesus goes through. And so Michael is imagining in his prayer the scene of the Annunciation when Gabriel comes to, to Mary. And Michael, being this extra, extreme extrovert, he's talking the whole time that he's imagining a scene. He's talking to God the Father. So God the Father and he are side by side and they're watching Gabriel visiting Mary and Michael is blabbing away. God, isn't this wonderful? Isn't this wonderful? I love this scene and I'm so happy that I'm a Jesuit novice and I'm happy to be on retreat and this is one of my favorite Bible passages and I just, and then he heard God the Father say, shh. Michael said that, that God the Father said to him, shh, this is my favorite part. God said that. This is my favorite part. And then God the Father and Michael watched as the angel Gabriel visited Mary. That's a theophany. And Michael learned to put the complicated camera down and to not build tents or shrines, to just receive it. Just look at it. Just listen to it. Every one of us has these theophanies, this moment with your small child or your grandchild, this moment with your spouse, this moment in Audubon Park with just the right number of ducks in the water, this moment when a cloud looks so beautiful, it almost takes your breath away. All of us have these theophanies and the more we look out for them, the more we'll see them, the more we'll hear God's voice in them. And Peter would tell us from his own experience not to try to capture it, just let it heal you, let it move you, let it move through you, let it do its divine work within you, and then give thanks and praise.